We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That is some walk-up music. You never know, looking at a picture of Eldon Ham, that that would be his choice of walk-up music, Purple Haze. But, dude, he now joins us. Eldon Elden Hayes. Eldon Ham joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. And he joins us, uh, the score's legal expert at 670 The Score. Eldon, thanks for joining us. Hey, today. my pleasure. Hey, I thought the song was pretty appropriate, given that I spent about half my life in some kind of haze. So yep, there you we'll go. see how it goes. There you go. So the Astros took sign stealing to a technological high and were caught, did not seem contrite from ownership on down, who just sounded like it would go away. And much was made of that scandal. Much was made of how, whether they wanted to admit it or not, whether they were fessing up to how they did it and costing people careers and stealing World Series from people. So what is your take on this from the from sitting in the the legal seat that you sit in? Sure, the the team sure found a way to become toxic in a hurry. I've never seen anything like this. That nobody even wants to touch it or anybody involved with it. And so that's why all of this has legs. And now you're starting to see the people who got hurt by it aren't going to stand by and and just let it happen. So that's why you get the Mike Bolsinger lawsuit. A regular player, he files a lawsuit. He says, "What the heck, guys?" Uh, getting your World Series is one thing, but you know, ruining my career is quite another. So he treated him with a nice, fat, juicy lawsuit in uh, Los Angeles County. Uh, there, there's so much of this to unpack. I Personally, I'd like to see the uh, their World Series title get uh, tainted officially with an asterisk or something. I don't know if they'll literally take it away. That seems to cause too many ripple effect problems, especially if other people were cheating, which we don't know yet. So who knows where it goes, but I don't think they can just sit there and let the, the series title uh, acquire a uh, an asterisk just by history. I think they should do something. Yeah, there, there are some official things I saw it written, censure, like there is something that the commissioner can do. He can censure the Astros and officially loudly proclaim that it's tainted. That's and wag and, his and, finger and wag his finger. Um, so that that's conceivable. But that's I, I'd love to stay on the the lawsuit with you for a second, Elden. Sure. 
Um, Mike Bolsinger had a pretty bad career um, and was bad for a while in different places. And then, you know, um, it started to all go downhill. Now, there was this one remarkably awful moment against the Astros where they clearly cheated and it was the most trash can bangs and he was sent down the next day and never appeared again. But what about all the other times? Like, how, how does he have a leg to stand on with this, considering the rest of his career? Yeah, he does have a few problems with the lawsuit, although I kind of like the lawsuit overall. But one is causation, uh, which I think is what you're getting at. Is, is this what ended his career, and can he prove it? Uh, they don't have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. It's just a civil suit. So preponderance of the evidence, uh, hey, is it more likely than not that uh, this had a lot to do with it? So that's what he's really alleging. His his career, he wasn't awful all the time. He had moments where he, he would have a string of games with a decent ERA, and then he would get injured and sent down, and they would make it back up. And at best, he was a journeyman pitcher. The thing that seems compelling is the immediacy of how it all came down. As you said, he had the most uh, bangs and signals, uh, I think, of anybody in that game when, when he was pitching. And of the in 29 pitches, his career went completely off the chart, right? Uh, through 29, uh, and there was a lot of uh, bangs that was affiliated with him. And, and even a non uh, signal call meant that something was coming. It's just that when they hit the drum, it generally meant an off-speed pitch, and I think it was 12 out of 29. So if he can, if he can at least get over a hurdle that, like the, the causation, maybe ruined his career, then he's got another problem, which is similar to that. So what's the damage? What was the rest of his career worth if it was on the the, the brink anyway? So that's a bit of a problem. However, if he does. Uh, get any legs to this lawsuit, there is a potential for punitive damages. So maybe he can't prove a whole lot of damage to himself, but he might get huge punitive damages uh, because he's filed under various claims that relate to fraud and interference with his uh, economic advantage of of being a a major league player and all that. So he does have a shot. It's fascinating that he filed this in Los Angeles, by the way. That Houston's in Texas. He lives in Texas. Uh, he wasn't with the Dodgers when this infamous game took place, so that didn't happen in L.A. But he filed there anyway, and he said it's because they, they stole the World Series in Los Angeles, which is kind of a fun argument. But I think they really want to get a Los Angeles jury because everybody in L.A. hates uh, Houston. So that that's what that's all about. Well, also, Jim Crane has several Rancho Palos Verdes homes he owns a lot of rich people's houses out there. That's one reason that they could base it out there. And he named Jim Jim Crane, the Astros' uh, arrogant owner, dismissive owner, as as one of the direct um, uh, defendants in that. He named him at, at, well, in the he lawsuit. names him in the lawsuit. He hasn't named him as a specific defendant, but he leaves that door open by saying that there's one to three hundred other people that we don't all know all who they are yet many of which do have big houses, wealthy people in the L.A. area. So they actually even raised that in the complaint. So excellent point. But Crane is raised in the lawsuit specifically by saying that when, when, they, when his group bought the Astros in 2011, they, they, they paid $680 million, and almost half of that was leverage. They borrowed $300 million or more. 
And he says that they were desperate, he meaning the player, that they were desperate to uh, increase value in the team, and but to do it without paying any luxury tax because they were already stretched in terms of the leverage. So they, he says they came up with other ways to do that. And one of the most prominent was this crazy sign-stealing uh, program. Uh, you know, signs have been stolen in Major League Baseball, you guys know, for, for decades, forever, ever since you had signs in Major League Baseball, right? But I think the difference is uh, cheating in plain sight versus not. So if, if you break the rules in plain sight, it, it, it may be technically cheating, but it really isn't the kind of cheating that uh, hurts the game or hurts anybody's reputation. You know, throwing a spitball once in a while, uh, missing a tag at second, trapping a ball, all that, that, all that, that's all good stuff. When you start cheating outside of plain sight, so nobody has a chance to see it or complain about it or call it a part of the game, instead it undermines the game. And that's the difference. This stuff undermines the game. We're talking with Eldon Ham, the score's legal, legal expert here on The Score. Um, Eldon, if, if Mike Bolsinger were to have any level of success um, with this lawsuit – what kind of precedent are we looking at? What kind of floodgates? Something Rob Manfred, anti-precedent, does not want to see. Seriously. like I mean, Chris Medlin is a starting pitcher who's been hurt a bunch of times, has come back and forth a couple of times, destroyed by Houston in his latest attempt to come back, and then his career basically ended. Freddie Freeman of the Braves spoke passionately on Medlin's behalf. Like, There's a lot of individuals who could go down this road um, if there is any success. So uh, what, yeah. how bad could it get for them, I guess? There, there could be a few others. There could be a few players who think they have enough proof to build the causation that Bolsinger did. But, you know, it could be other people, too. It could be people that were uh, bench coaches and different things like that, who people who can't get jobs elsewhere. Uh, it, it's sort of reminiscent of the ancient uh, – 1919 Black Sox, right? Some people were involved. Some people just knew about it, and some people didn't know anything. And uh, these, all these years later, we don't know who is who necessarily. But that's what some people might say: is that look, you, you guys tainted my whole career, and I had nothing to do with your, your stupid sign stealing program. Now, maybe those people aren't very plentiful because it looks to me, from the outside, that just about everybody at least knew. If they weren't complicit, they they certainly knew. Even the pitchers. Uh, who weren't really stealing any signs, but they certainly benefited from it, right? Uh, it's, it's much better to pitch with a four-run lead than, than not. So I think everybody kind of knew, and they all sort of pretended, ah, sign stealing's a part of the game, and so this is okay. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, it's a part of baseball. If you can get away with it, then it's kind of okay. But I don't know if they felt like it was kind of okay, because they sure all kept it secret, and then they covered it up later, even now. They're mincing words, right? Yes. They don't say, yeah, we cheated. They say, yeah, we broke the rules. They just can't cough it up. And, and and it will taint them for a while, but I'd like to see it be officially tainted as well, as I said before. Before I let you go, Eldon, and pursuing this lawsuit, because I just love the idea of precedent from a dumb commissioner who who didn't realize the kind of precedent he had in front of him with this kind of high-technology banditry and just the the, the – somewhat treasonous act for for the way baseball has conducted itself but the the idea of of setting setting a precedent and whatever they might be in for financially 
do, does, does anything that Jim Crane dismissively and arrogantly said prior to this, would that get entered into court? And Because it would certainly color the way Jim Crane might look at Mike Bolsinger's career, the way the Astros might look at his career and what it meant is, oh, it didn't matter. Well, it did matter. Oh, we're just, well, it's no big deal, that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, what he said uh, can be evidence of intent. What did they know when they knew it, and and how egregious is it, Uh, and what was their motivation? Sure, Uh, especially when you get into cases that either allege fraud or fraud-like claims. Uh, This this complaint doesn't literally allege fraud, but it, it alleges claims that sort of dance around it. And it's interesting, they allege all kinds of California state law claims. They don't get involved in federal stuff. Uh, I think they're trying to avoid this case getting removed back down to, to Texas somehow. But your your point, I think you started to make about Manfred is is a great one, because speaking of who knew and when, it looks like Major League Baseball knew about this along the way. It seems that not only did everybody in Houston know, much of Major League Baseball knew as word got out, and complaints were even made to Major League Baseball, and somehow that stayed under the rug, and that will be a problem for Manfred. Jonathan Lucroy said when he was a member of the A's, they reported it to MLB, which did nothing until the Athletic outed everybody. Yeah, this is why Mike Fires had to go public. It, it, because, because Major League Baseball knew it no, and didn't do anything. It, it, none of this would have happened without public pressure. That's why all this garbage from uh, David Ortiz and others, why didn't you say something at the time? Or other people saying, why didn't you go through the GM? Go through? No, it, it, the commissioner wouldn't have done a damn thing unless the public caught wind of it and got upset. I completely agree. And the Athletic, by the way, uh, contributed in no small way because what they did showing all those stats and being able to study it and see that not only were they cheating, it was it went beyond being cute baseball. It, it went into fraudulent baseball, and it worked. They went from like a historic strikeout team to one of the fewest strikeouts in you know, the next year. So it, it worked. Uh, now what do they do about it? Well, we'll find out. Elton, thanks for shedding some light on it. I'm glad you're a friend. Uh, I'm glad you kind of like Mike Bolsinger's lawsuit. I want to see this. I want to see people with some blood in their urine over this and trying to hold it right. away. It's, it's a creative, kind of ballsy, if I can say that, and uh, kind of lawsuit. And, and I, I, I think the kid is great for standing up for himself, uh, especially in light of all this uh, in the shadows kind of stuff. So. He got screwed. Let's see if it holds up in court. I kind of like it. All right. Eldon, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Anytime, guys. All right. That's Eldon Ham, Scores legal expert. I kind of like that. I'd like to see that go. By the way, Mike Fires, you know what? Lean, yeah. Leaning into it. Did you see what this is Andy from from Andy McCullough of the Athletic? Yeah, because because Fires is like I'm a big boy. I can I can defend myself. That kind of but thing. This is even better. Tell me. This is, this is from Andy McCullough of the Athletic, Mesa, Arizona. Dateline: Mike Fires fished inside his locker at Hohokam Stadium for a small plastic object on Wednesday morning. He whirled around to signal to the others in Oakland's starting rotation. He, perhaps more than anyone else in baseball, understood the power of the instrument he was holding. So Fires lifted the whistle and blew it. Ha! Let's go, starters, Fires said. Let's go. Ha! <laughs> the room tittered with amusement. McCulloch continues, quote, uh, pitcher Chris Bassett, no way. No 
way. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's awesome. Leaned into it. All right. Um, <laughs> the we, whistleblower. We might have an answer to a longstanding Bulls question. And um, we'll discuss that. I'll share that with you next. He's Matt Spiegel. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome in, welcome back. Where are you and uh, on Toto? Uh, very, very down. Uh, far down. Far Although down. I can't deny that this song is is catchy. It's very infectious. <sighs> yeah. I just... I just... You feel powerful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just... Uh, I don't... Uh, I, I appreciate the musicianship. Really good musicians. You're one of the Porcaros that we don't know how we became a band. We're just a bunch of studio sausages. Oh, that's right. They're studio sausages. Studio that was his phrase. Great, great musicians. Uh, much better musicians than me. Clearly much better songwriters than me. And yet I find their music largely unpalatable. Like, Or just maybe it's too highly palatable. Maybe that's, oh, that that's my be. issue yeah, with it. Yeah. Too effing clean. Make it dirtier. I want to hear more mistakes. I like uh, I like a few mistakes every once in a while. I'm with you on that. I think that adds to it. That's, yes. that's the edge. That's the yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little more danger, mm-hmm. if you will. Danger. Seat of the pants. Yeah, more of a serrated edge. Yes. Than that, that Ginsu chef's knife. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We have long debated, asked the question, sought answers. Why will no great player sign here? The Bulls in free agency. Why? 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 Mm-hmm. We keep asking it. Nobody gives us an answer. Nobody has spoken out loud. We have suspicions. Even John Paxson has kind of indicated they have no idea why. He might have an idea, but he's been paid to keep his mouth shut from telling the truth. Kevin Garnett is not being paid to keep his mouth shut. Kudos to Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Because in all of the all-star stuff that went on. And, you know, we discussed this last, last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I said, Common's going to go out there and, and Chance the Rapper's going to go out there, whatever they're going to do, and they're going to get a hellacious round of applause, standing ovation. And what Common did, I mean, people were crying. Dwayne Wade was, right? Common was... The, the poetic brilliance of what Common did, and I had said, that's the moment that Michael Reinsdorf goes out there, gets booed, 
And then suddenly the roof blows off the building because he announces that Common has been given an equity stake in the Bulls. That, see, that's the way you follow that. An impossible thing to follow, right? That would have been great. In front of all the great players, some of whom might now, this whole generation might think, we'll sign with the Bulls. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's a sensible reach on your part to try and find a coolness quotient, a legitimacy uh, within the black basketball universe. The black hole that is the Bulls? Well, or the African-American basketball universe. No, I, okay, I just meant the, 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 the nothingness yes. that is the Bulls attracting great players. And I could, this whole idea goes back to when, when what Brooklyn did. Brooklyn made sure they were, they were cool. They were cool as a guy, mm-hmm. right? Jay-Z mm-hmm. got a, this, right? Yeah. Everybody is thinking the Knicks. We're thinking the Knicks because we grew up and the Knicks were a thing. Yeah. That's not what the gener- this generation says. And when they had Jay-Z and then mm-hmm. Kevin, you know, it, it, it is, is, you're looking at the great players and it's whoever it is, they're looking at Brooklyn going, are you kidding me? Well, yeah, and, and, uh, and well, it may not work, but the fact that Durant and Kyrie Irving engineered their way to super team in Brooklyn and not at Madison Square Garden. That's the point. Tells that you, you everything. You, that gives you a shot. The Bulls don't have that shot. Yeah. And so it is the idea of being cool, finding out what reason, if you don't know the reason, well, it looks like Kevin Garnett just gave it to Teddy Greenstein. And this was the, one of the largely underplayed points in a, in a weekend that celebrated Chicago basketball and did its best to ignore Bulls basketball despite the guy, fire guard packs on national TV on, <laughs> on first take. This is from Teddy's piece in an interview with Kevin Garnett. My question, were you ever close to signing with the Bulls? Garnett, I was never close to signing with the Bulls, ever. Teddy writes silence. Then Teddy asks why. Garnett says, I don't really have a why. There was never an opportunity to. And I saw how Jerry, meaning Reinsdorf, how they did Mike. Oh, that's You know, keeping it it. 100, meaning 100% truthful. And all the players keep that in the back of their minds. Yeah. If you treat the greatest like this, the greatest didn't even have a chance to come back and have ownership. What he invested to build the Bulls, he didn't even get a chance to come back and reap the benefits of that. So players see that and remember that or put that in the back of their minds. At least I did. Oh, there it is. There it is. And Garnett's a guy who's idolized by... He's a guy who talks to latter generations. You know, you know who forwarded this. Good job, Teddy. Story. By the way, absolutely good, good, great job. Largely underplayed. Dwayne Wade and KG. I didn't know K would put words to it, but we know for sure that's how Dwayne Wade felt that entire time, and he spread that around anybody and everybody because Dwayne Wade was a kid. Here in Robbins, Illinois, watching it happen, watching it happen. And, and, and regardless of what you might think back on historically was, you know, Phil holding them hostage or Michael holding them hostage, $30 million this year, then another one year deal for $30 million. And then, you know what? I think we're all done. And then they just leave. Their perception 100% was that Michael didn't get to decide when they were done. And then along the way, when he decided he wanted to get back in the league as an owner, he had to go home to his state, home state of North Carolina and could not 
and was not welcomed back in as at an owner level by Jerry and others. I don't know the facts of that, but man, that's that that's fascinating. And that's, that's of course how they feel. And there was Mike, nowhere to be seen at All Star Weekend in terms of at the game. He was there on Friday. He was in town on Friday at a birthday party, then not at the UC on Saturday or Sunday. The place where his statue yep. stands. Statue was there. And I That's it. There I, it is. I, I think I I think that the the fact that there are so many players today who weren't born, you know, the guys you'd want to sign weren't born when Michael Jordan played his last game for the Bulls. Forget the last play, game for the Wizards, but the last game for the Bulls. When he hit that shot, that, that might be a poster, but they weren't born then. A lot of the great players, uh, the guys who you would want to sign in future years. So so what? how is it that it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going because their money's just as green as somebody else's? And this is one of the best answers from a guy who has no reason to, there's no ax to grind. It's not like he was denied anything, right? Mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett. And he's a guy with stature. He's a guy who's, who's, a, who's a paragon of honesty. Yeah, he, he told you what he thought. You want to feel, if you're one of those players, you want to feel like you are not just welcomed in as a player slash star, but you're going to be welcomed in in every possible way that you've got a chance to be part of the definition of the franchise. That's the level of ego involved here for those star players. Mm -hmm. They want to feel like they then define the city and the franchise in some way. And they feel like Michael was denied that. They they feel like Michael is, is not synonymous nor connected with the Bulls, and that is true. And you know the parallel to that is the Lakers. Correct. Magic Johnson, was he got whatever he wanted. Yeah. You want to buy the team? You want to buy a piece of the team? Yeah. Here, here's a part of the team. You want to give it back? Give it back. Yeah. Here, you want a piece of the team? You want, a piece, you want to be run the team? You want to... Hell, Kobe, they, Kobe's agent became the boss at one right. point. But, but the fact that it was Magic, All of that ma- Magic in the 80s... To the Lakers, what magic? What Michael was in the nineties? Mm-hmm. Those those were Magic's teams. It, it, it Magic would want to tell you that he would make sure that everybody thought it was Kareem's team. It was Cap's team. That's what they call Kareem. Yeah. Cap. Well, guess what? Magic scored forty two points in the clinching game when Cap had a headache, mm-hmm. and that was the first of the titles. And Magic Johnson was that guy, and the Lakers, the family that owned the Lakers, the buses, yeah. made sure. That Magic got a piece of it. He stayed, now, the Lakers he, remain attractive. You were out there. I was born out there. The yeah. Lakers are attractive because this is an industry town. Everybody wants to have, okay, I can play basketball and I can I can do what? You're going to be in show business. Yeah, well, for sure. Obviously, they've got that going for him. But your point is absolutely correct that Dr. Buss did everything that he could. And then Jeannie Buss went even further to keep the connection to Magic Johnson active and obvious mm-hmm. forever. And that's stuff that 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 resonates. players notice and it resonates and it gets handed down. And you have when you're talking about Magic and Michael and you're having comparative anybody brings their names up and handed down and you're going, Yeah, boy, the Lakers really handled Magic well. That's they mm-hmm. took care of them. That's that's a franchise. That team the family that owns a franchise. And yet then when they get to discuss that now you you brought the point up. We have no idea what happened, how it happened, how it didn't happen. Was there an opportunity there? But the feeling that I get from reading what Garnett said and what we're reading into it is 
you go out of your way to make sure Michael knows that there's a piece of this waiting for him. It's not just the statue in the house that he built. Yeah. But it here, is. here's the thing. Michael's status and Michael's earning power um, was a bigger than even Magic's, was bigger than anybody's. So Michael may have wanted to be the sole owner or at least the sole face of it, and not share it with the Reinsdorfs the way that Magic shares it with the buses, you right? Could be. My, Michael's, and this is what we don't know, My, Michael might have wanted to financially and ego-wise be the man as he is or in Or just Charlotte. the majority. Yeah, or just be, be the majority. 51%. He's the plurality. Right. <laughs> right? And so if Could that, be. And if, and if, and if that, that is probably an unreasonable ask. It is. There's no question. I, I, I would understand that. But we, we don't know. We're guessing. We're throwing this out there based on what Kevin Garnett said, what he told Kitty, Teddy Greenstein in the Tribune. Regardless of the truth, this is the perception, and this has killed you for decades. Exactly. And perception is reality when, it, when you deal with NBA players and the way they talk, or any athletes and the way they talk. And it goes for other businesses. But we certainly know the way the NBA is not just... NBA players are wonderful because they're not afraid. There's like no no filter. And you just saw part of it, and you're going to see more of it. That's mm-hmm. the way it works. And you need to have understood that. And you need to have understood it a while ago when Michael said he wanted to get back in the game. Well, who's a better, who's a better representative? Now, Michael may, might have made it dif- difficult. You're right. He might have said, well, this is... No, I get more than you. Yeah. I made you kind of thing, right? I don't. Right. You don't buy me out, Mo, Mo Green's telling my. You know, I buy out the Corleone family. Uh-huh. I I don't know. All right, I just wanted to bring that up. I thought that was that. Glad you did. That goes a long way to an, maybe answering something. There's still more more questions. All right, um, we have um, an anniversary and a um, wonderful anniversary and a goal for. The I'm Fat podcast, one of whom will be following us at 2 o'clock. Rick Camp will be here with Herb Lawrence, and I'll bring this up to him then. But I, I want to talk about something that would be that is a lofty, lofty goal that has been achieved by a uh, football player. All right, good. I, uh, I also have an old friend embarrassing himself anew. But you work with me every week. Why? why? That's not fair. You're just going to replay the tape. All right. He's Spiegel. I'm Rosa Bloom. Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow. Up to show. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. 40 years ago today. We talked about this last week. On Saturday Suckage, we had Jack O'Callaghan on. He joined us. We did it a week ahead of time. 40 years ago today, Al Michaels, the most famous call in sports, the greatest sporting event in my lifetime. So Al's there, and if you listen closely... Ken Dryden. Ken Dryden is your, your color man. Unbelievable. But before that, before Al gets to that... Okay. Ken Dryden says it's over because the puck came out at the finally, the U.S. finally cleared the puck hmm. and it came over and, and Dryden knows there's no way they're getting the puck back in. Nobody's getting on sides and getting the puck back in. And he says it's over. Do you believe in miracles? It's over. Yes. Unbelievable. 
Dryden, by the way, is the so every Canada and the United States get to share this anniversary because you get the Canadian guy, former politician, as well as Montreal Canadiens Hall of Fame goaltender. And um, he just last October he wrote a Canadian bestseller, the basically a memoir of his coach, Scotty Bowman. Really? Yes, Scotty Bowman was his coach in in Montreal for most of the for the last certainly the last four four straight Stanley Cups. Um, and he wrote a a memoir, an autobiography of Scotty Bowman. And while Ken Dryden was doing his play-by-play work in Lake Placid, or his color work in Lake Placid, he was driving to Ottawa to take courses for the bar exam. He was driving back and forth. They made it work out. So that was the anniversary, the, the anniversary 40 years ago. And it was, so we got to see that. You got to see, you know, we saw Jim Craig, right, with a flag on, on his shoulders. And yeah. he's skating the length of the ice looking for his dad. And you saw, of all the pictures that come out, and I asked Jack what the picture was, what jumps out with him, and we saw, you know, there was a Ruzioni's goal. Ten minutes to go in the third period. Right, and then and then didn't Brooks say that was the longest ten minutes of all of their lives yes, after I that, mean, trying to hold on to that lead desperately? Al Michaels has said this week in interviews, he said that it was in quicksand. The clock didn't move. It was always ten minutes. <laughs> and and then there was the, the famous... The famous picture of Eruzioni when you know when a team wins a gold medal like that the captain of each team is on the medal stand and he's waving everybody up mm. and they reenacted that in Salt Lake City when they had everybody on that team light the torch he was atop the he was handed the torch Eruzioni was and everybody was up there but the one part we we saw all that that was all televised the the even on tape delay it was televised what we didn't see was the star of the movie, Miracle. We, what we didn't see, but always asked about, what did Herb Brooks say before that game? And Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks was memorialized, as Jack, Jack O'Callaghan told us last week, all the players who served as technical directors basically came up with the same story, with the same feeling, with the same words, with the same speech, and here is the moment from that movie. Great moments are born from great opportunity. <laughs> and that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. 
their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And they did. That's the speech. That's Kurt Russell with a brilliant, brilliant job uh, as Herb Brooks. Now hold on. Uh, that that was great. That was absolutely great. But the the story that I've heard, and maybe it's at a different time. Was this pregame? No. Yes. This yeah, is pregame. It was pre-game. Okay. So then the story I heard about the other speech was it before the third period. The one, if you guys, oh, no, that was the next game. That was before this. That was after the first period ah. in the last game against Finland. They still had to win that game, or they might not have gotten into the medal round. They might not have gotten a medal at all because it was round robin then. Right. It wasn't elimination. So they were so, down 2 1 to Finland, um, and they had to beat Finland. That's the game my parents were at on the Sunday morning. And you tweeted out that picture. You have to go to Speegs. Is that, that's the, the, the Olympic version of Jack Kerouac's On the Road. <laughs> that's what that is. That's the magic bus. But yeah, that was after they had to beat Finland in order to clinch the gold medal, no matter what happened, because the it was a round robin play, uh. and they were down two to one, and in a very un Disney esque way, which is why they didn't show it in the movie. Herb Brooks walked in there and, and said, "If you guys lose this game, you will take this to your bleeping graves." To your bleeping grave. Yeah, he paused and repeated your yes. effing right. grave. That was a different game. Like that that, was, that's all, that, and that's all it was. Yeah. Yes. Okay, it's a different game. So that was that. I love that. Yes, that's and that's what her brooks doing. What her brooks needed to do. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Want to sign a one day contract with the Chicago Wolves? Earn a five thousand dollars signing bonus. Visit the Sprint Store on Lamont Road in Darien between one and three p.m. today. Can I tell you about our old friend? I, embarrassing I, I, sure, as long as we're talking about great coaches and oh, great yeah. speeches, great. Coaches, great, owning a locker room. Great speeches. I remember the one the one year that I worked with Patrick Manley, uh, Spiegel and Manley, uh, middays here at the score, was Mark Tressman's second year. And Manley said that one problem he had with Mark is that he felt like he lied to the team all the time. He would say, you guys practiced really well today. And they would sit there going, no, we didn't. Thinking, no, we didn't. Really? This is audio of Tressman after practice the other day for his team, his XFL team. His XFL team is 0-2. By the way, here's Tressman <laughs> after practice for whatever the hell team he's coaching. Tomorrow you're going to get complimented. You're going to get critiqued because we got to get better each and every day. But that's how champions practice. You guys practice like a championship team today. You practice with energy. You practice with attention detail. You practice with focus. It was a hell of a job today. It's a hell of a job today. Oh, a job you today. guys practiced like champions today. That's the kind of stuff that Manley told me. They were all looking at each other going, "What? who is this guy? He's full of garbage. So Danny Jones covers the XFL, and he tweeted this the other day. I spoke to a number of Vipers players. That's the Tampa Bay Vipers. I spoke to a number of Vipers players today regarding team morale. I think it's safe to say that many in the locker room have lost some faith in head coach Mark <laughs> Tressman. With one player saying, you ready for this quote from an anonymous player about Tressman? He's too effing stubborn to change. S, just admit defeat and change. He's going to get my ass cut. Says the Boom. player. Yeah. And I'm sure this is the league that Ryan Pace will find his next Bears quarterback. Dude. 
Oh my god, dude, that's great. You guys practice like champions her- today. No, we didn't. We yeah. go from Herb Brooks to Mark Trustman. Hey, man, that's suckage for you right there. That is. That Can't is. let you linger at Herb Brooks when Mark Trestman's available. 217 texter. Thanks, fellas. Now as I rake leaves, I'm hitting slap shots. <laughs> and I, I, that story, of course you are, because that's what happens. Um, it what grew. One of the things that grew out of, of the Miracle on Ice is you have teams winning Stanley Cups in, in places like Dallas and Tampa Bay. And that that the the tentacles of of hockey grew in America. One of the things you also had was the Sons of the Miracle, and in 1996, the U.S. team beat Canada in the 19 in the World Cup. The winning goal in that series was scored by Tony Amonti. He played on the Olympic teams in '88, and and I mean in '98. And I remember talking to him about. Okay, so let's go back to the miracle. Young kid growing up in Massachusetts, and and here you go. And I said, "What was? Did you watch the miracle? Did you watch that game on tape delay?" You know, he goes, goes, "Yeah, we stayed up. We I watched it. Ruzioni scored that goal. I went into the basement and I fired puck after puck, slap shot after slap shot at the washing machine. My mom had to come down and tell me to stop. <laughs> and that's what they did. That's that's what it was. That's that's what grew out of that goal. Ruzioni scored." And what the miracle hath wrought. The children of the miracle were the next generation of guys. And he's shooting slap shots. That's awesome. All right, we'll take a break. We will come back with with yet another chapter in one of the uh, Matt's road trips. I love the idea. Matt's road trip should be, you know what? Let's talk to PBS about it, okay? (laughs) Rick Steves doesn't, he can't do everything. Why don't we do Matt's road trips? Yeah, baseball-infused road trips. Had no idea what I was walking into in Greenville, South Carolina, when I went there for a wedding several months ago, but ended up happening upon a great um, baseball experience. And I did not realize until then that there was a Chicago connection, and that Chicago connection was uh, publicized a little bit more this week and is worth discussion for sure. It is. Well, look what grows out of Matt's meanderings. We've got a title. We've got a host. We've got a destination ah. after this. Spiegel and Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.